from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Just enjoying your conversation about fuck people who are doing better than us for putting it in our faces. <laughs> Get your happiness off of the Facebook. Right? <laughs> Enjoy in privacy like a goddamn <laughs> Ah, uh, I love it. Well, another another week of Life to Labyrinth podcast. This week with our first guest ever, Angie. Somebody that I have known for a long time. Angie, how long have we known each other for? I was trying to think of this, and I unfortunately have a memory that is a black hole. So I know we knew each other in high school, but before that, who knows? My earliest memory of going to school with you was seventh grade. That's totally possible. But I went to, I originally went to the school where your mother was teaching kindergarten, although she was never my kindergarten teacher. Mm, she was my kindergarten music teacher. Oh my. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, for, for someone I've known as long as I have, and both of your parents are teachers, in the town that we both went to, and both of the schools I went to, I didn't have either of them That's as probably, teachers. That's probably helped maintain our friendship, maybe. Probably. <laughs> so that's Angie and Stephen. Yes, I'm here, here too. <laughs> Stephen is here. And Stephen, you're going to have to be aggressive on the jumping into the conversation. Oh, Angie just... and I haven't talked in a long time, and here we are. <laughs> that's fine. We, Sometimes it's we, nice to enjoy it. Yeah, we've been good friends for a long, long time, but I've also subsequently not spoken for years and years. So this is a lot of fun for us. So let's just jump right into it. Stephen, this was your suggestion. It was. So. We talked before um, about how, for whatever reason, my my baby's two favorite songs in the world are Blame It on the Boogie and Superstition. So I felt it was only, you know, appropriate that at some point we tackle the, Steve, the Stevie Wonder album that had Superstition on it. And part of why I chose Talking Book was not only because I've been listening to Superstition for like 12 hours a day for a week straight, but also because <laughs> Talking Book marks a really important change in Stevie Wonder's career because it was after his his voice began to change as he grew up, right? Like he started recording at 12 years old. Is this the first one after he was Little Stevie Wonder? No, so he actually he dropped Little Stevie Wonder. I don't have the exact date, but somewhere in the like mid 60s actually. And after he did, his career kind of I mean, it's hard to say that about a 12-year-old, but his career actually really started to take a hard turn because his voice began to change. I mean, the kid was literally hitting puberty while writing some of the most iconic music of all time. So there's actually a period where Motown was considering dropping Stevie Wonder. About 1967, 68, they considered it because he just, his his songs weren't turning out hits anymore. His voice was cracking. It was really unreliable. And then in 72, or sorry, 71, when he turned 21 years old, his contract with Motown retired because that was when all of his royalties that were in a trust became his. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he actually allowed his contract to expire and then he independently recorded Music of My Mind and Talking Book before going back to the table to renegotiate. Hmm. And when he renegotiated with Motown in 1972, he walked in with a 120-page contract, which is still like a precedent marker for Motown Records. And he walked out with some of the highest royalties that have ever that had ever been paid to an artist up until that point. I can't because... even imagine how heavy 120 pages of Braille would be. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Fuck, I didn't really consider that. <laughs> Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Do you so, think he got paid in ones like Ray did in the movie? 
<laughs> oh my god, could you imagine? He might have as a kid because his original weekly earnings when his royalties were still going into a trust was $21 a week for expenses. And that's Down. that's inflated for our currency. It was like 250 a week. Yikes. Well, I guess it's pretty easy to count out 21 ones. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They very well might have. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to start. I just, oh, I love Stevie Wonder. I always have. And I just, yeah, my desk is a disaster right now. <laughs> well, I want to turn it back over to Angie because, Angie, I'm so glad that you're here. And you said that you have spent some time listening to our podcast as it is. Yes. So my thanks and condolences. Well, I would like to thank you actually because it's it's been a lot of fun. I haven't listened I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them, but I do want to thank you for introducing me to Bones UK cuz they're really fun. And I spent the whole day yesterday listening to Lizzo for the first time thanks to you. So, thank you for that. Oh, You're thank welcome. you. Fun fact, my parents texted me cuz they're listeners and apparently they have now listened to Lizzo because oh, of our podcast. Amazing. Damn. <laughs> amazing. Well, same thing happened to me. I listened to the whole album on my walk yesterday. Yeah, so that's great. So, Stevie Wonder for me definitely is in my wheelhouse. I can explain my musical wheelhouse from my first 3 CDs. Please do. That's where we went to in October. And if you want to stick around on the podcast, we will definitely give you a chance to introduce us to albums from your childhood and maybe, you know, the first album that you ever bought yourself because we had a lot of fun visiting, revisiting those for That ourselves. was a blast. That, it, but it explains everything about the music I listen to today, which is a little bit sad. <laughs> but the first three CDs I had was the Queen, Best Of, Greatest Hits, The Red Album, Aretha okay. Franklin, Greatest Hits, Ooh. and Alanis Morissette. Damn, that's a strong wheelhouse. So, was that Jagged Little Pill? Yes. So <laughs> of course my was. whole life, classic rock, rhythm and blues, classic Motown, and rock alternatives. So that basically sums it up perfectly. <laughs> so Stevie Wonder definitely, definitely fit in there. But yeah, this is a big one to take on, like, for you guys. <laughs> How do you start with this? <laughs> so... I had never heard Talking Book before. I had never heard any of the songs on it, with the exception of Superstition, which I've heard a bazillion times like everybody yeah, else has. <laughs> My exposure to Stevie Wonder is largely his hits. I don't think I've ever listened to a Stevie Wonder album all the way through. I'm with so... you on that, actually, to be honest. Like, it's oh, a lot of the hits. My heart hurts. Well, that's that's why I was disappointed when you didn't say Sir Duke, because I was like, I've seen that classic album episode. <laughs> I was wondering why you were like, oh, maybe he's going to say Sir Duke. Because I've seen the classic <laughs> albums episode, so I at least know some of them. Um, I would probably, I didn't even bother to go check the uh, album track for that album, because I was like, if I do that, it's just I'm just going to listen to it instead. I <laughs> but no, they, I think, like I said, you know, one of the one of the things that we struggle and will probably continue to struggle to do is the more we do these with these big artists like him, Elton John and, and the Jacksons or whomever is people with big catalogs. It's like, where's the jumping off point? You know, it's like if we were going to listen to Dolly Parton, where's the jumping off point? Like, mm -hmm. do we go just straight to Jolene or do we start somewhere else? So I think it's cool that you had a jumping off point for Stevie Wonder. I think that's awesome. So for me, the uh, the listen was, I got to admit, not easy. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The I, I've been listening to it primarily on headphones and in the car a little bit. The first time I listened to it was in the car and I kind of hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
until I got to Superstition and I was just like, because it just seemed like every song until that point was slow and down and didn't have a lot going on, at least not in a car ride. And maybe I was partially in a bad mood because I was driving to work in the <laughs> afternoon. But uh, but I got to Superstition. I was like, this that song's placed kind of perfectly in the album because for me anyway, I was like, I need something to happen here. And finally Superstition came on. I was like, finally. And then the back half, I actually liked a lot better. But did you listen, did you, either of you listen to uh, the songs on headphones very much? Uh, I did. I listened... No word of a lie. I've listened to this album about 20 times in the last week. That's awesome. Did, did you find that like the frequency that you are the sunshine of my life, like the baseline in it or something's recorded at, um, like the frequency felt like it was making me dizzy. Oh no, I didn't notice that. I listened to it on headphones, speakers in my car. Yeah, there were a couple audio things. I didn't notice it specifically in that one. Okay. But I definitely knew more songs than you going into this. But I had the initial same reaction to some of the songs in between that I hadn't heard. I, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> and then the more I listened to it, I was like, no, no, it's all right. It's all right. And then by, you know, after a few listens, I was, I'm like this with every album. Any album I've ever listened to, I'm like, this is garbage. And then the second <laughs> play, I'm like, this isn't terrible. And then I'm completely committed so uh a lot of the songs uh ended up growing on me in the end but there were still a couple that i was a little like oh interesting like i just expect this like constant powerhouse and you're like well, this feels like the <laughs> end of the night in a bar where everyone's just slowly leaking out closing time kind of thing so yeah yeah, and I, I wonder if that's because you and I have only listened to his hits, which are largely these big, upbeat, almost gospel-y kind of songs. Totally. And to hear these, like, really kind of stripped back, sort of little keyboardy things of just him, especially if he didn't even have a recording contract. He was probably not recording it with a whole lot of money or big band and stuff that he was sort of became famous for after. I wonder if that's part of it, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that's a good point. So like you had said, a lot of Stevie Wonder's like greatest hits tend to be his his big funk, his big R&B albums. Like, like you said, you've heard Sir Duke, you've heard Superstition, uh, Sign Sealed Delivered. They're all that really quick, up-tempo, almost poppier spin. And that was part of why I wanted to sit down and take a look at Talking Book. Because Talking Book like opens up with his, I mean, I think Stevie Wonder's incredible at romanticism in music so like you are the sunshine of my life is just it's always been one of my favorite songs well it's got so many plays on spotify which surprised the hell out of me and when i listened to it a couple of times i was like there's a lot of people that got married to this song oh, oh that's absolutely. so funny that's what i thought about <laughs> you and i and then oh, i go I, I was imagine. like i'm like this has been everyone's wedding song from 1972 to 1982 <laughs> and then i googled how many people have covered it and it's kooky pants right like george michael covered it and gave it to uh oh my god kate middleton and prince william as a wedding gift like a, an mp3 <laughs> version of it it's pretty wild that's insane be like i made you this <laughs> thanks yeah. strange 80s bathroom <laughs> sex music band yes do you think he presented it to them in a police uniform? Oh my god, I, I hope, hope so. so. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're gonna do something, do it right. Just damn commit, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like Talking Book, I found had a really good blend of, like, unfortunately, yeah, superstition, and I believe, or 
Superstition and Big Brother actually are probably the two that have the the most Stevie Wonder-esque sound to them. Um, and that's because mm -hmm. Talking Book is where he started to develop that sound. So from Talking Book up to the next three albums, a lot of times it's called his like classical period. And that's where he developed that really distinct mix of like R&B funk with synthesizer and then that incredible vocal like range he developed after his voice settled. Mm -hmm. But it also has some of his romanticism. It has some of his soul music on it. I think it's a really good little snapshot of, I wanna say where he started, but that's not fair to him. He had already been recording for 10 years at this point, but it's a, it's a nice little, neat little box of all the different things he's capable of that he then went on to do bigger and better and greater versions of. Yeah, if you think of it almost sort of like he was preparing a resume to go back to the record yeah. company with, it actually, it hits a lot of different notes. And you think of like his organ sound in Maybe Your Baby, it's like that, that sort of like kind of, I don't know, it's almost like an overdriven or like growly sort of organ sound that he sort of used all over the place kind of moving yeah. forward. Yeah, and that's what he, he started, I don't know, he started developing this curiosity for all the instruments he either could play or hadn't learned yet. And he really, really, like, Stevie Wonder is one of the first pioneers, really, of synthesizers and electronic music. I actually didn't know that, and I was reading about that, and I didn't realize, actually, how much talent he had. So that was, uh, yeah, that was fascinating. Right, isn't it crazy? He learned, what is it, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven instruments over the course of his career. He self-taught himself three by the time he was ten. Like, the, wow. he was, Stevie Wonder is, I don't think it really gets talked about much anymore, but Stevie Wonder was genuinely a child prodigy. Like, he he auditioned and got signed for at Motown at 12 years old based off a single performance for a different artist. Like, the, the man's talent, just his innate talent is insane. And even I didn't know the true scope of all the things he's done until I really started doing research for this. It's crazy. It goes on forever. And even when I after listening to the album, I was flipping around on all these songs and I'd heard them all. And I was I was completely shocked at the amount of songs that have been like mega hits, like mega hits for him. Yeah, and I think a weird thing with Stevie Wonder's music is he, he had a ton of hits packed super close together from about say 73 to 78, 79. And then he entered into the 80s, which was his largest commercial success. So he has two decades of singles that he's been releasing that every five or six years get reviewed by Rolling Stone or, you know, some other publication and come back into the, you know, mainstream light. And like you had said, Angie, that's those are the like, say, 20, 30 songs that even I think personally, I didn't realize were all Stevie Wonder. Totally. And then, and I then felt you a bit embarrassed on. about that. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I know this song. Oh, my God. <laughs> Right? You just never thought, oh, that was also Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One after another, you're like, oh, shit, I've definitely heard this. <laughs> like, I had those moments when I realized that every Will Smith song is a Stevie yeah, Wonder song. Well, I can think of one, but yes, yeah. <laughs> There's so many. Yes, obviously Wild Wild West yes, is the that's first thing. Yes, that's the one I can think of. <laughs> But I, 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 there's a bunch that he's like sampled and I thought that was just so funny. I didn't really, you know, be like, I know this song. 
You're like, oh, it turns out it's a Stevie Wonder song that I know is a Will yeah. Smith song. <laughs> I know this part of the song from a different That's song. That's even more embarrassing, dude. <laughs> I was introduced to Stevie Wonder through Will Smith. You can edit that out. Okay, I won't we, like. I won't bring it up we, again. We are the Will Smith action movie generation. And you can pretend that we're not the same age all you want. But. Um, actually, saying that now, you mentioned Will Smith. Actually, I don't know all the details of it, but I remember it being this big pop culture fun thing from last year. Was that Will Smith hosted like a a private viewing of oh, what's it called? Hustlers? Is that the new J Lo movie where they're like gangster strippers? It it's was wild. terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild movie. Um, but I guess Will Smith hosted a private screening of that for his birthday. And I don't know who did it for him, but Stevie fucking Wonder just showed up to his birthday and was like, hey, we're going to be watching this movie together now. And apparently Will Smith lost his fucking mind, <laughs> like on the ground, couldn't control himself, didn't know what to say, just well, completely broke I mean, down. if your birthday party is a movie watching and Stevie Wonder shows up for the, like, what are you supposed to do with him? For Excuse you, Stevie Wonder was also an actor, as all good Hollywood stars are. Also, he owes a lot to Will Smith for obviously bringing Stevie Wonder to another generation. That's <laughs> fair, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Stevie, but that's probably very true. <laughs> Yeah, him and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I think Stevie Wonder owes both of them probably quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Where do you two want to start? Is there anything? <laughs> well, let, let me just take a big to take a step back. So, what is your aside from maybe maybe you mentioned it? And sorry, I'm I'm sorry if you did. You chose Talking Book because you wanted to hear the full album of Superstition, or is this something that you'd listened to previously? Like, did you did you choose this because it had Superstition on it, or did you choose it because you like this album? So ostensibly the main reason I picked it honestly is because Superstition's on it but that's not to say I hadn't heard the album before for whatever reason Stevie Wonder was like the one funk artist that my dad would listen to so I grew up listening to a lot of his albums um, and Talking Book has always been one of my favorites it just so happened because Superstition is my little one's favorite song that's when I was like oh shit why don't we do Stevie Wonder and I can listen to Superstition for a reason instead of just on loop <laughs> and then re-listening to it I was like yeah man I forgot but this is genuinely one of my favorite albums of all time I think it's fucking masterclass in personal talent and the fact that it was recorded independently blows my mind because I didn't know that until like literally two days ago <laughs> yeah it's sort of hard to picture Stevie Wonder not having a, a recording contract and sort of being at a position where he felt like he needed to walk away from that to sort of reprove his work yeah and come back and be paid yeah, properly. Yeah, like, thinking so of the Stevie Wonder we know now, right? Like, he's this huge, iconic, universally considered one of the most influential and biggest names in music history. So it's crazy to think of him yeah, as... Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like imagining Paul McCartney not being Paul yeah, McCartney exactly. <laughs> after the Beatles. It's like he just kind of kept going. Yeah, so I, I chose it partly because I love it, uh, mostly because I've been listening to the song an obscene amount anyways. And also because, yeah, I thought it was... Like, when we had talked about... Oh, shit, I can't even remember which album it was now. But we had talked about needing a jumping off point from certain bands in one of the episodes. And I felt like... Yeah, that was last time when we were talking about Johnny oh, Cash. it was Johnny Cash, that's right. So yeah, I felt this was just... It worked out that Talking Book, I think, is a really, really good jumping off point for Stevie Wonder. Because it's really the start of when he started producing and designing his own music. So like, after... Music of the Mind was good, but that was... It has like a very experimental feel to it. So I don't really think that okay. it's going to be a lot of people's jam. So I was like, ah, we'll start with Talking Book. <laughs> um, but like Talking Book and Inner Visions, I genuinely would no hesitation say that they are two of the probably top 10 albums of all time for me. Like 
They're so, so good. <laughs> and I was just really excited to have an excuse to listen to Stevie Wonder and talk about it. <laughs> I actually <laughs> felt that's, that's totally awesome. okay with listening to this album four or five times this week. It uh, it at no point felt like a job, so agreed. That's good. That's good. If, when, if this ever started feeling like a job, we'd probably stop doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, true. It's true. <laughs> and <laughs> some of these albums. <laughs> hey, that's the fun oh, one, I, right? I actually really enjoyed it. I also, I would like to question the fact, uh, Bryn, that you said you'd only heard Superstition because I believe the final song, which I love that song because it's the final scene of High Fidelity. Oh my God, I've seen High Fidelity maybe oh, once, stop. years and years and years ago. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen High Fidelity since Okay, I've seen High Fidelity like 300 I... times. And it's like, as soon as yeah. I hear that song, I, I pictured that final scene with John Cusack. And okay, okay, I'm surprised. <laughs> it's okay. I will say that, yeah, the, the I Believe When I Fall In Love It'll Be Forever is one of the songs that I genuinely came away from. Like, it's going to end up on my playlist. I genuinely It's a really like good it. song. It's a really, really strong good. closer. In terms of, you know, you asked where we wanted to jump from. I would say, like, maybe your baby. The, the term I was looking for to describe the sound is actually a Fender Rhodes piano or a Fender Rhodes organ. Um, so I just wanted to clear very that up. Very technical. I looked that up. That's very good. <laughs> I, I looked that up. It's a Fender Rhodes, which is a very sort of distinctive sound. It was driving me crazy because I couldn't. That's like it. half your job here is teaching me the names for these instruments I don't recognize. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know as much about keyboards and synthesizers as I do about other things, but I can still Google with the best. <laughs> <laughs> I did know Melitr Was it the Mellotrome I know? The little. The blow keyboard. It's like a toy. Oh, I don't know what it's called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I think my sister actually yeah, had one. The, but that came up, I think that came up in Gorillas or something, didn't oh, it? Oh, probably. Gorillas has used fucking every instrument. <laughs> and like the the weirder <laughs> it is to put like to get one and the weirder the sound it makes, the more likely the gorillas have used it. So almost definitely. Yeah. It's called a melodica. Oh, there you I go. It up again. Oh my god, I have to look up all of these things. <laughs> I have that on my list of, sh of things he learned, so... <laughs> I technically knew he could play a melodica, I just had no idea what it was. <laughs> I'm sure Stevie Wonder plays a hell of a melodica. I was watching uh, Stephen Colbert and his uh, piano player, Jean-Baptiste, was playing a melodica. Because the way they're doing it now with them not being able to be in the studio is they cut to Jean-Baptiste just like playing in his own studio somewhere. And just to kind of keep it interesting visually, he was like playing some really well-known song on a melodica, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, jumping off point, Angie, unless you have somewhere to go, um, I gotta be honest, the first couple of songs, I, I didn't really find them much to write home about, but the I think the first song that I kind of connected with at all was You and I, number three. Uh, yeah, number one I love. It's a it's one that I knew. Number two was probably the roughest for me. And when I mentioned earlier, kind of sounding like the end of the night at a bar, this is the one <laughs> where it's like it just kind of felt like people jamming and not really committing to the bit. So yeah, I hear. It seemed you. like he didn't have the lyrics worked out in that yeah, song or something. And the he just kept repeating were, himself. Like, not maybe professional and just chilling. And I don't know. Yeah, it, that one that one was surprising for me for sure i think it maybe speaks to the relaxed attitude of musical recording in the 1970s when it was supposed to you know people were trying to find that new sound and the far out or whatever <laughs> the songs were all seven minutes long just for fun and yeah yeah exactly yeah, i mean sure. oh, we'll get to i will say that's that's one of my complaints with maybe your baby i don't think it needs to be a seven minute long song yeah i think it would have been great at say three and a half <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, it yeah. is for sure as far as songs on this album go, definitely like the roughest song. 
Like, it definitely does sound like a bunch of people sitting in a bar after getting drunk, being like, hey, let's record some music now that the band's gone. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one yeah. who thought that. I was like, <laughs> how can I say something not perfect about <laughs> you wonder? Well, that's that's the uh, this is a safe space. <laughs> no, so far, nobody's contacted us to be like, how dare you say that? It's like, it's just our opinion. First. I'll say something th- outlandish. <laughs> the, the day that, that our dog and pony show podcast can make a dent in Stevie Wonder's <laughs> life. Hey, you heard it. Get in the comments, people. Get in the comments. <laughs> Yeah, don't at me. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm the first couple of t- I listened to it. I think maybe twice, probably both in the car. And I was like, "Is this still going?" <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I, I was like, I was like daydreaming, yeah. or like I was like, I've driven way too far for them to still be saying like, "Maybe yeah. your baby." Is my record <laughs> skipping, or did I just have a nap or a stroke? Is what happens in this yeah. song? Yeah. I, yeah, it's sort of like the way I feel when I listen to Sympathy of. Of the devil oh, is just God. like, still going. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I hear that. Oh, I hate that song. Oh, I love that I had song. one of those dreams wow. where like, <laughs> well, I used to like it. And then I had one of those dreams where like my alarm went off playing oh that song. God. I started dreaming about the oh, song. Okay, that would ruin it. <laughs> and I just had these people just like, woo, woo, in my dream the whole time. For, like, And just felt like forever. And I've never wanted to listen that to that song. Wait, are you sure that? Terrible alarm song. Are you sure that was a dream <laughs> or was it an acid trip? <laughs> I wish it was an acid trip because at least then I'd have a story besides, the, you know, I had to get up and go to I school. I was groggy and then I hated the song. Yeah, that's not a great story. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't wake up quite enough to be awake and I just started dreaming about the Rolling Stones. Oh, I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> yeah, don't don't try it. It's not fun. So yeah, okay. Angie, I'll just, why don't I turn yeah, it over no, to you? Well, I'll you just go? jump in on that. You and I... It, it, it wasn't something I recognized right away, but the more I was Googling and seeing like how every human being on the planet has actually covered it, it made me, and I think a lot of the songs from this album just, I know I've seen them in, it feels like every kind of 80s feel good movie at some point. That's how I felt about a lot of the music, which isn't a bad thing. It's great. It means it's like comfortable and, and familiar, but yeah, to go to the next song, Tuesday Heartbreak was the song that grew on me the most. So I despised it completely the first time. And then the more I listened to it, I was like toe tapping. And (laughs) like Stevie Wonder's always on my dance at home playlist. So I have like intense moves to these albums. (laughs) But that was definitely the one that grew on me the most. I can't even remember it right now in my head. This is what I'm talking about with my memory. I've listened to this album 17 times and it's gone, which is really great because the next, oh, that's funny. The next time I listen to it, I'll be like, oh that's, my God, That's why we great. listen to it as we record it. <laughs> because my memory's like that too. I've literally written a note and then five minutes later forgotten and lost it somehow. So yeah. That's why it's, my desk is just a scatter of notes now that I can look at it all the time. This week I realized <laughs> that I hadn't like intentionally listened to 80s music in 10 years. Almost as if I'd forgotten about the genre completely. So all I've been listening to on top of this album, of course, is like 80s Spotify remix. I'm like, I love all of these songs. Where did they go? It went they went into a black hole in my mind. It went away. Where did it go? I'm bringing it back. It's it's been a good time. 80s music just went away. 
Is it because bars have been closed and you haven't been to a good 80s night in a while? I have. Okay, so right before the bars. Well, this year I've been to a 80s night at Targ. My friend's band was playing and I didn't think I was, I'm like, oh, I'm too young for this, guys. I don't know all the 80s music and I knew all the songs. So that <laughs> was embarrassing. But Did they uh, play Land Down Under? It seems like oh. every 80s bar oh. cover band plays Land Down Under. Like I could ever remember that, but I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even there and I'm willing to bet you they did. <laughs> yeah. Let's that's just that's the yes. safe money right there. <laughs> Here's one you'll know. I think, hope you'll enjoy it. It's super funny. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday Heartbreak, yeah, it's a good, it's a fun song. I think, I think, you know, on my first listen to, I think I completely missed it because it's very upbeat, and I was just like, why are all these songs so downbeat and gross? But then it's <laughs> sort of like you, and then yeah, the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, actually, they're quite different. I think maybe I just thought maybe your baby just continued, and all of these were still made yeah. in your baby. Yeah. <laughs> then I got to superstition. I'm like, finally, song three. Would that be an amazing mindfuck in the middle of Tuesday Heartbreak for someone to be like, maybe your baby? Though, <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> There's nothing I want more than an album that does that. Where, like drives into the second song. Yeah, <laughs> just like fades in, <laughs> just in the background somewhere. <laughs> oh good god or Steven. have it reappear in every song i just yeah exactly a that's little, what you have to do a little taste of it somewhere hidden in the song like the where's waldo of maybe yeah. your baby yeah take right. just like a little hook and just throw it in every track on the album <laughs> and then you realize it it's stuck in your head forever <laughs> you've actually been listening to it for all 45 minutes of the album <laughs> Um, all I was going to say is, like, I agree. Tuesday Heartbreak, it's a really solid track. It's the first time on this album where the beat starts to, like, pick up, where the tempo increases noticeably. It's a bit of a shame, I think, that then you move on to You've Got a Bad Girl, which mm-hmm. is a great song, but significantly slower. And mm-hmm. it just so, it just, it's so wild to me that you go from, like, the first three songs are mellow, romantic, slow. Well, maybe not Maybe Your Baby, but... <laughs> um, and then you hit Tuesday Heartbreak, and, like, the beat starts to pick up, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're getting into it now. Like, the, the groove's kicking in. And then it hard, like, just jumps off a cliff into You've Got a Bad Girl. And then Superstition does the opposite and goes... Brings it speed. <laughs> like, I think I think you're right. I think You've Got a Bad Girl is poorly placed, but I think it's one of the stronger songs in the album. Oh, I agree with that, actually. I think... Man, this is one of those albums, and it's been a lot lately, but this is one of those albums where I honestly don't know if I have a favorite song yet. I'm still looking at the song list like, ooh, but it could be this one, also this one. (laughs) And yeah, You've Got a Bad Girl has been in my top three choice since the start. I don't remember the song until like, until I listened to it, this album, I don't remember ever hearing this song again, like before rather, but 30 seconds in, I was like, oh yeah, I'm fucking in. This is great. (laughs) See, this this song's allowed me five minutes. My notes say 80s video game intro. <laughs> Maybe that's why I love it so much. Like, that were... is all, and I obviously walked away. Uh... <laughs> like, and that one's done. You're next. like, nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> What's the next one? Oh, little number called Superstition. All right, sweet. <laughs> it's what? good. Uh, I'm going to nail this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wrote classic. <laughs> a plus. Superstition. What can we say that hasn't already been that's said? That's right. That's right. On to Big Brother. <laughs> Actually, I wrote under superstition. 
does anyone actually know the words to it? Because it's one of those songs where you're like, yes, and it comes on and you're like, running on the wall. And it don't understand. And you don't really know the words. <laughs> That's like Respect by Aretha Franklin. R-E-S-B-E-C-T. Tell it what it means to me. R-E-S-B-E-C-T. I mean, I know the words to all that song, but that's because I was doing karaoke to it at a very young age. That was my song as a child. I mean, I love those songs where nobody actually knows the words, but everybody knows the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's most of the songs in my life, really. It's like you mute it, you're like, do you take it? You know the words. The person in the car is just like. <laughs> um, that happened actually at a Soundgarden concert at oh Blues Fest. It was, of course, Black Hole Sun. Yeah. And he like, you know, put the mic out, and everyone's like. And then all of a sudden, everyone, black hole sun. <laughs> it was super funny because you could, it was a collective mumble. It was awesome. That's like that Family Guy episode where they go to the Kiss concert. Mm. Like, I want to rock and roll oh, all yeah. night. And they put the mic up to Lois and she's like, and have a wonderful <laughs> day. time. Is that it? <laughs> Oh my yep. god, I've lost all your faith in mankind. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time, even with songs I've been listening to solidly for 20 years. I think I know the words, and for fun, I look it up. It's like, wow, way off, way yeah. off. Honestly, Black Hole Sun is, like, famous for me for that. Like, I'll, I'm convinced in my head when I play it back that I know every word. Like, I love this song. I'm gonna fucking nail it. And then I get a minute in, I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on anymore. Get to the yeah. chorus. Come on. <laughs> I did it on rock band once and was super embarrassed. And I, I was in a bar. I was in a bar. Oh no. And, oh, no. Uh, yeah, it was cool. I got handed the mic to sing for No Rain by Blind Melon one time, and I was like, got this. And I was like, I don't know any of the words, That's apparently. Words that I think I do, and I'm like, mm. Yeah. All I can say is that my life. Yeah. <laughs> is that the whole song? Someone else do the rest. I'm just gonna repeat that. Fucking Papa Roach's last resort. Cut my life into. I'm, I'm sure. Cop. Like, am I not allowed to? Like, what are copyright issues? Am I allowed to yell the words of songs? As far as as far as we can determine, if we're just like goofing around, it's fine. Sure, cool. We can't play copyrighted music necessarily. Well, it's sort of ambivalent because we're not sure. Like, it, it really depends. I know that there's definitely YouTube people that have had their videos ripped down for like playing the melody of like an Eagle song. Oh my god! It really you know, depends on the. You probably artist. can't tell what I'm singing, anyways. But Papa <laughs> Roach for sure. Um, what is it like? Don't give a fork if I cut my hand bleeding. Like, what are the words? Maybe that. Maybe those are the words. I think you nailed they it. They are now. 100%. Yeah. A plus. Don't even need to fact check. It's good. That's on He's my stopping me from playlist. googling. He can hear me doing it. That's so funny. That song is actually on one of my playlists. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. <laughs> to be fair, it's also on one of mine. Okay. I have good. like a a like nostalgia playlist almost. I call it my shame list. 
And that's 100% on there. <laughs> okay, it's on my rage list. Ooh, that's a good choice too. When I don't want to stab people, I put it on. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I realized this past summer when Voodoo by Godsmack ended up playing on a random Spotify playlist. And I was like, yes, here good I one. am. I can hit this song. I can hit all the notes because my voice goes that low. I'm here. And I'm like, I... I only know like the first three lines of this song. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't even think I know the first three, and I think yeah. I've seen them live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one who's so far away. Yeah, nothing. Definitely Spot sounds on. right to me. <laughs> Sound just like Sully. <laughs> Angie said, so, so, killing it." <laughs> should, we, should, should we stop doing karaoke me. night? <laughs> I can mumble any song. (laughs) (laughs) So should we just, we're at the point now where we're at superstition in the album. Should we talk about it? Classic. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, really though? Like, yeah, Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Move on. Yeah, it's honestly though, like what what can you really say about superstition? Because we all know it. It's been a banger for 30, 40 goddamn years. It's a, just a good fucking song. Like, it's got a wicked beat. <laughs> the lyrics are fun and easy to understand. It's just, ah, it's just They're so not, good. They're not, but okay. I'll accept okay. <laughs> Some of them are. I could definitely not sing this song. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I could sing it, but that's because, I mean, how do you... It's almost like singing up against, like, Michael Jackson. It's yeah. like, I could try, but how much of an asshole do I want to look like? <laughs> Yeah, I tried to do Whitney Houston uh, at a gathering once and felt like (laughs) such a great A asshole. Just to say you were like Whitney Houston by like the last couple of years of her life or something like that, where she was mostly just standing on stage going, ooh, ooh, while her backup singer sang the song. I'd I'd be post-addiction Whitney for sure. (laughs) Was there ever a post-addiction Whitney? (laughs) No, yeah, I mean like during, you're right. (laughs) Like when she's um, she's interviewed by like Oprah or something, and her voice sounds like this, and she's like whispering. Did you watch the documentaries? Rough, rough, I have upsetting, not. and rough. Anyways, I haven't yet. Like, um, where can we find them? Um, you know what? <laughs> I'm so depressing. I went to the theater to see it because I just wanted a good cry. Well, don't Sometimes don't feel too badly because last week we talked about Amy Winehouse's Frank and I went to the mm-hmm. theater to see the Amy Winehouse. So did I. So did nice. I. Cried. Cried my face off. You monsters. I sat in my basement and cried alone like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Right. Let's not do it because we're going to talk about it when we do Back to Black next month. <laughs> Fair enough. Superstition. <laughs> you know what I love about this song? I love a song where you absolutely cannot not move when that song is playing you have to dance you have to move you cannot just stand there please tell me you were both dancing oh absolutely i'm glad you mentioned it but you guys just blanked me i'm like (laughs) that's awkward that's that's a big part of why i like stevie wonder is because i find Mm -hmm. a lot of his music it's hard to not get into the rhythm with it like he just it's infectious and it doesn't matter how shitty a mood you're in superstition comes on you're gonna angrily dance or you're gonna dance cry but you're still gonna dance (laughs) (laughs) for sure have you guys heard a cover of it that you've liked Uh, oh yeah i was looking it up um i looked at i watched the stevie ray vaughn one yep i've heard that one i didn't know that ub40 covered it oh my goodness okay Apparently, they covered it for the 1995 horror comedy Vampire Brooklyn starring Eddie Murphy. Ah, uh, yes, oh. a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Raven Simone covered it. 
for the Haunted Mansion soundtrack in 2003. Wait, Raven Simone? Because she—I didn't even realize she was putting out music. Because is it? Is it or is it? It's S Y N. S Y M O N E Exontigu. Yeah, that's that's Raven Simone, the the one who was in All About Raven. Okay, I thought so, but I, I also no didn't know that. Oof. <laughs> I don't even know when all of or what was that show? Raven on? Simone wasn't she originally on the Cosby Show? I think uh, so. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> that's so Raven was like a mid two thousands like teen show that I like remember. A Nickelodeon thing or something. Yeah, it was. I don't know what channel it was on, but yeah, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or one of them. Probably Disney because Disney owns everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those like preteen shows, and she okay. plays a psychic who gets one vision uh, episode because that's how TV works. Yep, yep. And then she would try to prevent it from happening and wacky hijinks would ensue. Okay, hilarious. <laughs> I was a country kid and I had three channels. So I <laughs> pop culture growing up is a, also a little bit of a black hole. That's fair. That's super well, funny. I okay, grew up in yeah. a similar country. Um, I didn't get satellite until high school. I don't think we, we got satellite. My parents got satellite like the year we all moved out. It was rude. <laughs> I don't know. The only thing, I think the only show I remember from being a kid in England genuinely is fucking football and fucking Teletubbies might be the only two things I remember ever watching when I was in England. You might yeah. be far younger than us. He's 10 years younger than us. Okay. I was like, Teletubbies, dude, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> Yes, that's part of the fun is that we're close enough in age that we have similar lives now, but we're far enough apart in age that our our entertainment exposure growing up was considerably different. Yeah, wildly different. Amazing. <laughs> Especially I'm learning the last couple episodes. It's become very obvious that, yeah, we grew up exposed to very different things. Mm-hmm. That's funny. But yeah, because, yeah, I don't know, small town Ontario, and you were kind of all over the place and... England, living in Marshall. fucking run down old army camps in fucking England. <laughs> <laughs> Angie spent some time in, in the Yeah, UK. I lived in England for two years too. I was going to bring that up because we, a lot of the Britishisms that you bring up warm my, warm my heart. Aww, Angie was you. the only person I ever knew who lived, who lived the statement, I'm going to go backpacking across Europe after high school. Oh dang! That's I actually left everyone... high school early. I was like, I'm not doing my last year, guys. Fuck you. Hardcore. Yeah. Everyone always said, "Oh, after high school, I'm just going to go backpacking across Europe. It's going to be great." And they all went and got jobs selling insurance or some bullshit. And she fucking packed her bag and went. Kudos. Live in a caravan. Would, let me just bring it down a bit. I didn't backpack across Europe. I spent most of my time with a backpack in England, mainly because I was 18 and started drinking heavily because I was in England and I just adored it that I didn't really, I did some of Europe. Like I've definitely done a bit of Europe, but it's not quite the vision of romantically backpacking around, but I was definitely, I did pack my backpack and go. I heard you made it to Turkey. I made it to, I did go to Turkey. Yes. I was also intoxicated the whole time, Um, but it was lots of fun. (laughs) My brothers once, technically broke a war border and got into turkey (laughs) okay we don't have enough time for my story of being detained in turkey and thinking that we were going to be killed but it's a long one and it's a good one and i'll share it another time please do 
We'll just we'll do like yeah, uh, we'll do very special episodes of Life to Labyrinth three. <laughs> you can we'll all just get shit faced and you can tell stories about your your eighteen year old hijinks completely unleashed from our small town. I love it. I love it. All right. Tonight on a very special Life to Labyrinth. But just to go back Angie really quickly. Angie near death experiences. <laughs> to go really uh, quickly back to the Britishisms, I've I'm trying to because I'm currently really obsessed with the Great British Bake Off. I know, I know. What what am I doing with my life? So good. Oh, they but, don't even win a prize. I know they. Yeah, they get the glass cake plate. Like, who gives a shit? But. They finally proved that the British can cook edible food, which is nice. To true, learn. it's true, and like, how exciting is a handshake from Paul Hollywood? Yeah, all right. But I'm trying to bring <laughs> the Britishisms and say them deadpanned, uh, like in work meetings. So it's like, <laughs> oh, we just we just gave you a new file. Oh, well, I'm proper gutted, <laughs> and it's something I'm just going to keep I feel trying like you're to personally do. Attacking him. <laughs> Yeah, we discussed how I'm jealous because I've never been there. So, like, everything I say is a complete sham. But I just, you know, every time my kids start watching Harry Potter again and Ron Weasley says, that Seamus was bang out of order, mate. And I'm just like, why not me? Say it. Say it proudly. I love it. This cake is stodgy. What is that even a word, Paul? I'll accept it and I'll use it in a sentence this week. But I don't think it's real. <laughs> This meeting is stodgy. <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> just carry on a little notebook of all the Britishisms and just mark when they work. You'll laugh, like your word of the have... day calendar. Be like Britishism of the week. Yes. Oh my God. I'll do it. I'll send it to you guys. I'll pick a word every day and we have to use it in a sentence and report back. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm down. Any new segment to the show, I'm down for. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Like our completely, Aww. you know, now for something completely different. So how did your Britishism go this week? <laughs> I said it to an old lady. She looked at me like I didn't, like I just asked her if she wanted to go to the moon. Oh dear. Brandon, I dare you about? to say blimey this week. Blimey? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a goodie. I have to try and figure it's out who I would say it to. Yeah. That's your homework. Maybe, maybe my second job. Every my second job, if somebody stops me, it's like, excuse me, where 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 are the digital cameras? But blimey, they're right over there. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I like how excited you were with it too. I, I if you keep be, that enthusiasm, you can pull it off. I'll be really be really yeah, apparent absolutely. with my mask on. Oh, yeah. I'll just, just say it real. Yeah, just just completely stone faced, and then raise one eyebrow slightly. Like, yeah, you got blimey, it. they're just over there. Blimey is a hundred percent a word that if somebody said it deadpan to me, I would laugh so much harder. <laughs> Because it's already a ridiculous yeah. fucking word. And it, it's usually used in like surprise or exclamation. So yeah, if I walked up and asked someone a question, they were just like, blimey, it's over there. I would fucking I wish it. I, like, brought my, I legitimately have a notebook where I write down Britishisms in it. I really wish I had it close to me, but I don't. But every time I, I hear it, I'm like, oh, I am going to use that. Anyways, okay. Sorry, I'm okay. dragging this on. I'm dragging it on. What are we no, even cool. here for? Okay. I don't know. Stevie Wonder, I guess. All right, yes. superstition. Stevie, wow. Stevie, Stevie wanted to talk about Stevie. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I wondered when that was going to happen. <laughs> took 50 minutes, which I think is not bad. <laughs> That's true. Real restraint from Thank you. This you. Well, you know, we have a guest. <laughs> um, but yeah, superstition, legitimately one of the best songs I've written. It's so widely known for a reason. I think Superstition's a really good example of the kind of music Stevie Wonder's known for. 
I think of all the songs on this album, not only is it the one that everybody would know, it's the one that like you hear it and you're like, oh, that's definitely Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder. But other than that, I don't really have many notes on it because, like Angie said, it's a classic. <laughs> it's good. Move on. It's over. There's been entire probably Rolling Stone and magazine articles written about it. I don't think we're really going to add much to it. But also, it's it's yeah, all three of us enjoy listening to it. Isn't it fun to Google the covers <laughs> and it's like 300 people have covered it? Yeah, just every time you click a link, yeah. there's another 30 people you find. Yeah. I'm going to cover yeah. it, guys. I'll let you know when it's out. Just a cappella oh, without perfect. learning the words? I'm not going to learn the words, for sure. No, no. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> Next Moving song? Moving on. Sure. Big Brother? Big yeah. Brother? I thought, first time round, I was like, what? is this and then also you know by listen three i was jamming it out i was into it yeah i find it sort of an interesting juxtaposition to his sort of jaunty music to his very heavy black culture in the 1970s lyrics yes i like this by bringing it down it yeah. Down. Do, do, do. Oh, he's saying a lot of really heavy things. Yes. Yeah. He's saying words I'm not allowed to say as a white man. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Right. And that's that's part of why I love this album so much is because Big Brother is one of his first takes at like socially conscious tracks on his albums because it was the first time he was allowed to just do whatever the fuck he wanted with his yeah. songs. So, yeah, he kind of snuck in this quick little capsule of like black culture in the United States from like yeah early 70s um late 60s and i think it's it's an important cornerstone of his music too because stevie when i want stevie wonder uh, went on to do just an incredible amount of activism like i couldn't even begin to start writing down all the shit he worked for but he did it from talking book onward he would always make sure he had what they would call socially conscious music he would make sure to have at least one track on every album because he felt it was important that a black man, especially a disabled black man, gaining the fame and like almost notoriety that he had, he felt it was important that he used it to get those voices out of the out there and introduce this type of perspective to what at the time was a largely white clientele who had never considered. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a it's a cool little it's a fun little trivia start to the rest of his like kind of activist career. And it's wild to me that at like twenty one. Man, this man's so accomplished. He had his first number one song at 13 years old. Doesn't it make you old. feel so lazy? Like, what am I doing with my life? That's what yeah, we were talking last, last week about Amy Winehouse dying as part of the 27 Club. Yeah. And, like, yeah. how I felt when I turned 28. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've done nothing. <laughs> They've lived entire lives and become legends that, like, people are still talking about them, like, 40 years later. And I'm... And then Stevie Wonder still up here at 70 years old dropping singles like it's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, 13, his first number one. It was also the first song ever to top both Billboard's R&B and pop charts. Um, It was Fingertips. No, it was was Fingertips. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Fingertips was off his first album, which was mostly written and produced by uh, Motown. But... He performed live in 62, I'm pretty sure it was. And it's it's one of my favorite songs because he came back out for an encore that none of the band knew was going to happen. And he he did he performed Fingertips Part 2. And about two minutes into the song, I can't remember the exact marker, but in the background, you hear someone go, what key, what key? 
And it's because they had a, like a subbed in bassist for that live performance. And he had never performed the song before. <laughs> so like, when the bass is just about to kick in, you can hear him in the background. I'm like, guys, what key am I doing this in? Just figure it out. <laughs> Learn on the job. Right? And I also, like, how wild was that for a bunch of, say, probably 25 to 35 year olds to be performing background instruments to a 13 year old? can't even imagine ever being in that situation. Was it the Wrecking Crew he was working with? Uh, I don't know if it was the Wrecking Crew he was working back then. Just like, would it Let's have see. just been like Motown studio musicians? Like house yeah. musicians? Yeah, so Stevie Wonder performed with so many, so many Motown artists. It's really hard to like remember which mm -hmm. is which. But I know he worked with like the Spinners a lot. He worked with the Wrecking Crew. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, that's lovely. It actually doesn't tell you who he performed with. <laughs> I like that he's accredited on this song for lead vocals, honer, clavinet, drums, percussion, harmonica, and the the moog bass. The moog bass. Bass? The moog bass? Bass. It's not fishing. No, but it's a piano, isn't it? It's a synthesizer. It's not a bass. Like, maybe it's a bass. Maybe a bass synthesizer, a bass. a bass keyboard, like Ray Manzarek played from the doors. Slapping the, slapping the bass. <laughs> I feel like slapping the bass is a much different phrase. It's a different movie. <laughs> I'd watch it, but I don't know if they'd have Rush in the soundtrack. They do. That's from a movie. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you're, you're just kind of like coming in and out of the conversation. It's like, no, that was a movie. <laughs> you're not that. You didn't make that up. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, you're pretty close. <laughs> so unfortunately i couldn't find who he was performing with during that concert but yeah it just it's always funny to me every time i hear it that this poor guy in the background is like what key <laughs> like somebody tell me what i'm doing the bass player was um, a man named joe swift having replaced a different man named larry moses can be heard on the recording yelling out what key what key <laughs> amazing fun fact yeah, I mean, that's too. It's part of why I love Stevie Wonder so much. Is there's so much trivia out there. So yeah, like the the I don't know how to pronounce it either. The Honer clarinet. Yeah, Honer clavinet. Clavinet. Yeah, it's a V for yeah, some stupid fucking reason. I don't know any of these <laughs> words really. All I know is he uses it on Superstition, and apparently, his his use of it in Superstition is actually what Motown mentors use as an example of how to play the instrument correctly is they play people superstition and they're like now do that <laughs> like, no no pressure <laughs> uh, so the clavinet is an electronically amplified clavichord that was invented oh by a man named ernst zacharias <laughs> manufactured by the honor company in trogiskin west germany <laughs> Yeah, how do you brag about Guys, that? Guys, check out my clavinet <laughs> skills. Sweet, sweet. Gather around, y'all. I'm gonna bust out some clavinet. My favorite, my favorite musical credit ever, it doesn't matter in what capacity, is when people are accredited as playing the bongos. Mm. I don't know why, yeah, like, it could which... be like, because normally, like, if they're playing, like, triangle or some bullshit, it's just, like, percussion. Or if they're playing drums, yeah. it's like drums. But for some reason, bongos <laughs> has been singled out. It's like, uh, Funny story. You heard the new uh, 
Santana album? Yeah, that's me on bongos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, funny you mentioned that because for Fingertips Part 2, Stevie Wonder has a credit for bongos. <laughs> oh, yes. What is one of his first ever musical credits was bongos. Put it on the resume. <laughs> what a hilarious instrument. I'm going to play these, these two drums with my hands until they bleed. Do you are you do you have a rhythm that you're going back and forth with? No, I'm just gonna go back and forth at random. <laughs> Anything Andy Kaufman can play shouldn't be considered something you should get a musical credit for. <laughs> oh dear. I'm listening to Looking for Another Pure Love right now, and it is a slow jam. It's a very it's a good jam, but it's a slow jam. But very laid back. Coming in at almost the one of the Top three. Is the top three longest? Top four. Four minutes, 43 seconds. I was like, oh, it's pretty long. And then I was like, oh, right. Maybe your baby is like six minutes, 51. Yeah. It's nine seconds <laughs> short of seven minutes. <laughs> I didn't update my notes Whoa. like after the first time I listened to it. So my note says I'm stuck in an elevator. <laughs> Just no there other context. Else. Uh... <laughs> she wasn't even listening to Stevie Wonder. I'm legitimately stuck. <laughs> I can't remember the song, of course. Shocker. To be fair, especially the like the little intro in okay, the beginning, good. it yeah. is very elevator music-y, which I never realized and now we'll never forget. You will forever be stuck in an elevator during this song. <laughs> That's okay, because now all I'll think about is video games when I hear you've got a bad. Stevie Wonder, Muzakal Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Unless there's tracks the two you want to talk about. I mean, I, I love every fucking song on this album. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say every time. It comes up is I love them all for different reasons. I think looking for another pure love really showcases his vocals. And I think I just, I love the, as much as I'm not usually a fan of slow songs, I really, really love the the rhythm in this song. Not be um, a fan of slow I think it's songs. Of, that's a, that's a big, I just, I don't know. A lot I don't, of songs. I don't listen to a lot of songs. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Legitimately. I think that's probably the biggest contrast between me and you, Bren, is that, yeah, I prefer like hardcore punk style music that's just hard and fast, whereas you prefer the you know the more minor key, slower, chilling out. Music. <laughs> you guys listen to cigarettes after sex. I was going to say you reminded last <laughs> podcast that I listened to. I was reminded to add that to my playlist. So thank you. Cigarettes after sex, mm -hmm. so good. Thank you, Shirley Manson. Thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> There's a, there's a YouTube vi video series that I watched that I actually suggested to Steven before we started doing this as like ways to find albums called What's in My Bag. And it's basically like musicians or artists or wh whoever they are. They're fairly famous people in one degree or another. And they go to this place called Amoeba Records and they just shop and then they do an interview with them afterwards called What's in My Bag? Like, what did you buy in the store? And Shirley Manson pulled out this album called Cigarettes After Sex. And she's like, it's just fantastic. It's this, it's that. They play a little clip of it. And then uh, she's like, it's a great album to listen to. It's a great album to have sex to. And she put it back in her bag. And I was like, well, what I heard sounds great. I'm not sure how much sex I'm going to be getting. But that's, uh... so I listened to it at work and I was just like, this is okay. fucking amazing. And yeah, it, when we were talking a little bit before you came on and you sort of were like, oh, yeah, 07, because I mentioned it in the CF. And Angie, Stephen, if you remember, we talked about how my friends and I coined the term relaxtronica. Relaxtronica. That's for sure, for sure. A word that I do believe that I came up with. Yes. <laughs> you 
It certainly sounds like <laughs> it, and I, I do love it. I love yeah, so. July 7. I was in England, I was living in England when this album with Somersault came out on it, and it just changed, it changed my brain. I remember I bought a Zero Seven <laughs> album, and I think it was The Garden. Okay, that one after, I think. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was The Garden. Let me just double check. Uh, yes, I went and bought The Garden and listened to it a couple of times, and I was like, I don't know about this. And you, I think I was driving you somewhere, and we were listening to it, and you were just like, you don't really like this? And I was like, eh, not, not really yet. And you just, like, took it, and you... <laughs> and you're just like, well, I'm just going to borrow it then. And I think I didn't see it for, like, That's over six hilarious. months. <laughs> it was when it... I, I did eventually get it back, but you were just like, well, then, you clearly, you don't deserve well, it, and you just took you, it with you. You don't get to listen to it. <laughs> You've lost your privileges. That's right, I think that... One. That's, this is probably the exact thing you said. Right. And you you took the CD out of my car, <laughs> put it in the case, and just put it in your purse, and that was the end of the car. You're just like, hey, see ya, and you just took it. I think I probably <laughs> came to your house at some point, was like, oh yeah, my CD, and took it Rude, back. yeah, that might have happened. <laughs> when it, and then started listening to it and realized it was When It, it Falls great. was the album I got in England, and it's the one before it, and it's just the greatest, greatest, greatest thing ever, and Sia is in a lot of the songs for that one. Yeah. Brilliant. So final thoughts. Oh, we have to do, we have a segment on our show, which I'll take this opportunity to just describe to you, even though you probably know it, Angie. We have a thing called the Songbird of the Album, which is based on the song, The Songbird by Fleetwood Mac, where if you're listening to an album all the way through, it kicks you out of the flow of the album. It's not a bad song. It's just, it doesn't fit in the way that Songbird doesn't fit because you just want to get to the chain. Or on uh, Dark Side of the Moon, like you hear money and you're just like, where's this okay. coming from? Great song, just doesn't fit. Kicks you out of the album. So we talk about if there's a songbird on the album. And the songbirds are singing, let me know this Do you guys have a songbird on this album? I do. Can I go last? Because yeah, I'm very know. curious to hear what yours are. And I feel like they're all going to be pretty similar. Okay. <laughs> Angie, based on that description and you having listened to the podcast a little bit, maybe knowing about the Songbird segment was coming, do you have a Songbird for this album? Was there a song that kicked you out of the flow of listening to it? Um, I also want to hear yours first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not committing. Um, I want to hear yours Mine is Superstition. Because it's oh, too shit, badass for choice, your ears? Very, I get it. <laughs> no, because it doesn't match any of the other songs on the album at all. It's like there's the whole album, and then there's Superstition. It's like the first half of the album, like you said, and then Superstition comes on, and you're like, sweet. Doesn't match any of the stuff that came before, really. And then it ends, and you listen to the second half of the album, and it doesn't really match any of that either. Which is, I think, probably why, Ooh. if you're someone like myself who's really only come across Stevie Wonder's like big hits, which are a lot of the upbeat songs... You know Superstition, but I don't know any of the other songs right. in this album. Even You Are the Sunshine of My Life, which apparently has more listens to it on Spotify than Superstition does. I'd never heard that song before. Superstition completely threw me out of this album, and it could be just because I know it already and I didn't know any of the other ones. But I think in terms of like stylistically, it doesn't match anything else on the album. I think if you were listening to this album for the first time all the way through knowing none of the songs, Superstition would be a, like, you would be like, where's this coming from? It certainly doesn't match the energy. I hear what you're saying with that. Where you're like, oh, this is good. And then all of a sudden you're like ripping it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you come like the yeah, first half and, you know, and as much as there's like Tuesday's Heartbreak is an upbeat song, it's good. It doesn't come anywhere yeah, close yeah, to yeah. superstition. I keep forgetting. 
Um, and the rest of it, I'm like, you, it does this. And then I'm like, huh. And then this comes <laughs> on and you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, my songbird is superstition. And I'm not trying to be bold or I just genuinely think that it doesn't match the album. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I was saying it's a bold yeah, choice, sure. but a fully understandable choice. <laughs> Ray, I, and you next. I don't What's know. I think maybe Big Brother only because it follows superstition and I'm dancing, I'm ripping it, I'm feeling good. And then Big Brother comes on and I'm like, shit, deep message. Bring it down. This is a time to dance. This is a time to listen and reflect. And it kind of makes me like, you know, all the songs are kind of light and lovey and fun. And then it's like, listen to this fucking message. And you're sort like, of, God, sort of like having the giggles at church or a funeral or something like that. Yeah. which definitely <laughs> yeah i think that when I, I mean i like the song but it definitely was like oh bring it down the energy has changed yeah fair enough it does yeah. have like a weird somberness to it because superstition precedes it actually we're all gonna have different picks mine was actually you've got a bad because almost for the flip side of like your idea brand is that i think if you took you've mm -hmm. got it bad out or at the very least moved it if you went from straight from Tuesday Heartbreak into Superstition, I don't think that it would be quite as jarring a switch. It would be an almost like natural build up to Superstition. Yeah. Whereas instead you go up and then you go way down and then it's like, bring your energy to yeah. fucking a thousand people. I don't care how sad Snap you are. Snap out of it. Yeah. So I think if you just got rid of You've Got It Bad, I think the album would flow much better as like a complete piece. Despite the fact that I still think, like you said, You've Got a Bad is one of the best songs on the album. <laughs> wow. Cool. But it's kind of biased because I think every song on this album is the best song on the album. So. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is All of Them. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it is. I have a crush on every boy. <laughs> I choo choo choose you. Let's be friends. <laughs> Cool. So we have another segment that we kind of came up with, and Stephen accidentally named Dessert Island Albums. Fuck you. Awesome. <laughs> I forgot about it until this exact moment. <laughs> Stephen forgets that I spend like at like eight to ten hours editing these episodes, so I remember <laughs> all of it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this one actually may be easier because we've all we've had a much more fluid conversation. But Steven, is this a Dessert Island album for you? Because it's not for me. It absolutely is. Serve me this shit with some cake and ice cream. You know, I think it, it, it fits. Because Dessert, al album, Dessert Island album, I think, it, it, as much as it was an accidental slip of the tongue for you, I think it fits because it's like, they're the sweet albums or the sweet ones you want to take. Yeah, they're like my little treats yeah. as far as music yeah. go. And yeah, I would absolutely, this would be a Dessert <laughs> Island album for me. Um, just because I could listen to this album on repeat and it will never lose its wonder or its magic for me like it'll it'll always be as good as the first listen was for me and it's it's so rare that i come across an album that i don't get super tired of really quickly yeah. awesome so it's not for you not for me what about yeah, you I, yeah yeah i love it i you can't i can't say no to a word this, <laughs> this would be a dessert island album for you eloquent yeah. <laughs> It would be. You take this like if Desert Island. You take. Well, this I don't Desert know Island what album. Desert Island means. Like, like it's the only album I can take. Like, if you were if you were limited to say like I don't know five or ten well, doesn't matter. Not not like 
it's the only album you're taking. Like, no. is it? Okay. It sort of started with us discussing, like, would you listen to this album again in full, or now that you don't have to, as part of like an agreement we've made for this podcast. I will. I won't listen to this album again. Stephen obviously will. I, I, I'm going to listen to Amy Winehouse many more times down the road, Stephen. Is right. I definitely listen to Stevie Wonder in my regular rotation, but would I listen to this album from start to finish? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. It's <laughs> fair. Just maybe your baby. That's, that's gonna I'm going to listen to it all the time, and then I'm going <laughs> to cover it as well. Yeah. Excellent. Can't wait for our next one hour session to be 59 minutes of Maybe Your Baby and a one minute cover. Right. <laughs> At least the That's lyrics right. are that, easy. We to know learn. the lyrics to that one. Right? We know all of them. Can't mumble that one on karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, that's I think. Stephen, do you have anything more to say? Angie, do you have anything more to say about Talking Book by Stevie Wonder? I'm kind of... Yeah, I think I didn't think we'd get an hour of talking about that, but we did. We always end up at least with an hour. (laughs) We take a lot of tangents, but we get there. We're better than we used to be. Like, back in the early days, we'd go like almost two hours or more sometimes, and I just feel like, (laughs) oh my god. (laughs) Because as much as I enjoyed the chat... I'm the one that has yeah, to go back yeah. and edit it. No, I get that. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh god, it's like um, it's like four to five hours per hour, <laughs> especially in those days where we didn't know what to say and we didn't really have our format and we said um all the time and we took like big long pauses <laughs> because we weren't talking over each other just to keep the conversation going. They were brutal. We're fine. We got through it. We're getting better. We're getting there. Yeah, so I don't know. Final thoughts wise, like this is easily say a top five album of all time for me. I think it's. I think it's a cornerstone of music history. I think Stevie Wonder's, it's hard to put into words the amount Stevie Wonder accomplished and will continue to accomplish. Like I said, he dropped two singles this year. He announced that he has enough material for two more albums that haven't come out yet. But I don't know, just go give Stevie Wonder a listen. And this album's really good, but if you honestly want something that's a bit more what you're expecting, that kind of like upper, like a beat funk sound almost, um, Songs in the Key of Life, is another iconic album um like elton john's commented that he carries it with him on the road he thinks stevie wonder and ray charles are the two most impressive vocalists and like r&b artists of all time yeah he's just he's accomplished so much he's released 26 albums with the last official album being in 05 he released 11 albums before he was 20 years old he's been nominated for 48 grammys he's 125 on top of that his his whole career has just been an absolute incredible ride so go read about stevie wonder listen to some music because you're gonna jam even yeah. if it's not really the kind of thing you listen to you're and if you want to be an asshole just like me yeah, you just think. listen to the best ofs on spotify and it's just non-stop <laughs> magic <laughs> that's true just go listen to the, the greatest hits and just I think, dance for i think the one thing try. that everyone will realize <laughs> is they didn't realize all of those songs were stevie wonder like it keeps coming and you're like no wow <laughs> Keeps going. And then count the Will Smith slide. The yeah. Will Smith songs. <laughs> I kept calling it. I, I'm so clueless about Stevie Wonder, embarrassingly, that I kept calling the album Sir Duke when it's actually songs in the key of life. Song? And yeah. Sir Duke is on it. So Mea culpa. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, all a, good. that's a, a double good. album too, isn't it? It's four sides. It is. Yeah, it's oh it's so all right. good. Well, we'll do that one next time. Or not next episode. Next time we do Stevie Wonder. The next time we need a three-hour-long episode, let's go do that four-side album. <laughs> yeah. 
We haven't talked about how we're going to do double albums yet. I figure it'll probably just have to be two episodes. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, those are my final thoughts. I think Stevie Wonder is one of the most important musicians that's ever existed. He has a lifetime of incredible achievement. Go listen to his shit. Hands down. Hands down. (laughs) Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to come back? Yes. I mean, if you'll have me. Do you want to come back next week and pick the album you listen to? I want to pick. I want to oh, pick dang. the album you listen to for sure. Yeah, yeah. If if you want to come back and yeah, absolutely. If you want to come back, you're always welcome. And even if you don't want to come back, I'm still excited Yay. to hear what album you're gonna pick. <laughs> oh, you want it right now? We usually do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it goes back to the reason that you started this podcast because you listened to the same fifty songs for the last whatever years, which I'm so guilty of. I can't listen to Matthew Good, Beautiful Midnight one more time. Um, so this is this. I don't listen to a lot of new music. Nothing crazy excites me that's new very often. But this band rocked my socks off, and I saw them uh, live in Montreal, and they were just—they're just one of the only most more recent bands that I have completely latched onto. And um, it's Alt J, and the album is Relaxer. Cool. It's a little bit relaxtronica. Nice. You're winning me over already. My favorite songs are not (laughs) on this album, but this is the album that is more cohesive as an album. And the other ones are a little bit, feel a bit experimental while they just stop and do a minute interlude of randomness, Mm -hmm. where this album, it just feels like a, a complete album. And that's that's the album Relaxer, not Reduxer. Reduxer. Relaxer. Relax. There's there's two <laughs> albums. There's one called Relaxer and one called. Oh, Reduxer. I think that's okay. So one of them's sure. a like a remix of stuff. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm down. I think it's interesting that you've chosen yeah. an album by this band that none of the most listened to tracks fall on. So that's cool. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Look at and after you're done listening to the album, the greatest song is Every Other Freckle on another album okay (laughs) and it's a very it's a very sexy song i love it Mm -hmm. no doubt (laughs) well maybe you'll be the the voice that that comes in and argues that songs can be sexy because when we listen to lizzo we both agree that songs trying to be sexy does absolutely nothing for us when i listened to it i said bullshit (laughs) song is in my like <laughs> very sexy, and it's like, and there's weird lyrics in it, but it's just, mm, mm, mm. yeah. See, Stephen, this is why we keep talking about how we needed a woman on this ep- on this show, because <laughs> you and I are a little bit too similar in that way. We're just like, I don't like it that way, and you're just like, yeah, same. And it's like, I bet a lady yeah, yeah, would feel yeah. very differently. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I am excited to not have my mind changed, but gain a new perspective. Every every new. Uh, opinion that is, is a disagreement turns into better conversation in my opinion so awesome. bring it on no absolutely i do agree <laughs> i'm really excited i've never heard of this band but it's british and that means I'm i feel like i have when i look at their f- picture on spotify i feel like i've found them but i'm not following You've them probably so. heard left hand free which is their shittiest song in my opinion and it and it hit the charts i maybe also heard it too much because I was working in retail at the time, and you know when that same song comes on, and you're like, "Fuck off, I die." So, so yep. that might be the case, but that was, I think, the one that was kind of hit mainstream radio, and it's not very good. I'm just playing it right so now. To real see quick. if you recognize. Yeah, maybe I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. And I also, we, we always, always, always try and really, really hard not to start the next episode at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. of the current Shut one. Shut it down. Shut it down. So I feel like if I start <laughs> listening to these songs real quick, just be like, oh, I have heard this before. We are starting the next episode and we just got to, we got to cut it and bring it back awesome. next week. <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to call it next week. Alt-J, we're listening to Relaxer, suggestion from Angie. First first time Woo-hoo. guest on the on the show. Hopefully, many, many more times to come. Feel free to butt in and become a long time. Thank you so much for allowing me to enter your space. I had a lot of fun, and I am a big fan of the show. So, yay! Aw, thank you. Thank you. Our first fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for listening, and we're recording this on Thanksgiving. Friday for our American listeners. It won't obviously be out then because I just put our new episode up today. But happy belated Thanksgiving to our American listeners when this comes up next week. And we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth.